What's up, everybody? I'm JJ John J. Stramski. And I'm Jason Goff. And if you haven't heard, The Ringer has gone local. I'm bringing the fire. I'm bringing the rain from the Big Apple with my show, New York, New York. And I'm repping Chi-Town with my new show, The Full Go on all things Chicago. We've got episodes three nights a week with all the reaction to the local teams and guests. Plus bonus episodes around all the big games and storylines. So whether you're uptown, downtown, in the burbs, or a transplant. Make sure you follow New York, New York, and The Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea and discover a berry delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry iced tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit Amazon.com slash Pure Leaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA, I make calls, I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it, you can work out in it, you can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever, and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. What's up, everybody? Thanks again for tuning in to America's favorite podcast, The Pod Has Spoken, as voted on by our hosts, uh, myself and Riley, uh, which I believe is a pretty good sample size. Uh, And we would like to welcome to the podcast today the co-host of the Ringer Fantasy Football Podcast and audio producer at the Ringer, Craig Horlbeck. Craig? Thanks so much for having me, Tyson. I'm happy to be here. I heard on the last episode, 500,000 listeners you guys have. That's, that's I pretty think impressive. It's up. I think it's up. Oh, is yeah. it? Yeah. We, uh, last week was half a million. And uh, then after that one aired, I believe we got a huge insurgence of new listeners. So that makes a lot we've of been sense. crushing pretty good over here. Not bad. I got to say, so a lot of people like Amelia was on last episode. She's like a diehard. She's seen every season that you're in. Uh-huh. I... Oh, relatively, no, you're the opposite. No, you're like well, the, the anti-Amelia. No, no, I'm relatively new to Survivor. I watched as a kid with my parents, but then I got away from it and I didn't watch it forever until the pandemic came around and then I kind of started crushing through it. So I've only watched about 10 seasons. Okay. And the first season I ever watched, somebody told me to watch Kageon, season 28 with Tony when he won. Sure. So that kind of set the standard and I thought Tony was like the MJ. And then I went back and I was like, okay, now I want context. If I'm going to do winners and losers, if I'm going to do all these great classic reunion episodes. I want to know everybody first. So the, the episodes that are the seasons that I've seen are more of the early classics, like season two, like China, like stuff like that. And token chains. So that is the only season I have seen you on. So I don't, I, 
I only know you as that guy. You and Coach, that is the only relationship I have with Tyson. Okay. And is that a positive relationship or a negative relationship? So me and my girlfriend and her brother, we watched all the seasons this summer and we would draft players after the first episode. And I had you on my team. So I was all in on you. And I was really bummed when you went home and I was pissed that Coach was still there because I couldn't stand Coach. Yeah, that was annoying, right? Yeah, Coach was my downfall. He told JT we were going to get rid of him before we told him we were going to get rid of him. So Coach still owes me a million dollars that uh, Bill has been sent out a long time ago and still not paid. So about to send it to collections. Um, Yeah, he might be. Who knows where Coach is? He's probably on one of his excursions in in South America. Yeah, deep in the Amazon. Or he could be teaching (laughs) high school in Northern California. Probably that one. Uh, Riley, we haven't even heard your voice yet all those tones and melodies how you doing oh yeah i know everybody's waiting for it i'm good how are you (laughs) i'm great uh good to hear that you are well and you look great we'll get into the beard a little bit later but i mean i guess we got to go back to craig real quick here uh before we get into episode six survivor season 41 craig how are you feeling about the season in general before we get into this specific episode. Um, I was talking to Riley about this before we, we started here. I, ju- I think it's, I, I like it. I like the expedited process. It's, it's a nice wrinkle, but I think they added too much. Like there's just too many new rules. There's too many, you know, specific. One idol means this, another advantage means that. If you go to the island, you have this decision. You got to come back and explain it to people. I just think they should have maybe cut that in half, cut all the complications in half. It's a little too convoluted for me this season, I think. It's a lot for sure. Is Kagayan the most recent, like chronologically, season that you've watched, or have you watched anything that that came out more recently? I think Blood vs. Water was after, and Blood vs. Water two, not Blood vs. Water one. two. Yeah, I saw that one. The worst of the two Blood vs. Waters. Yes. Yeah, and then and then maybe one after that, but that's it. Okay. Oh, uh, the Gen X Gen X vs. Oh. Millennials. I watched that too. Okay, so you've got a few recent seasons under your belt. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not. It's a puzzle to me why you chose those ones to watch, but uh, <laughs> we don't have time for that right now, Craig. We'll have to do that in private yeah. because we have a doozy of an episode to talk about. And uh, last week we watched um, Jeannie go home and then we start off the episode, like always, back at camp and we go straight to Ua, a two-person tribe with Shannon Ricard and uh, looks like a lonely walk back into camp. And they have a conversation about the one thing they've only been talking about since, uh, I don't know how many days it is now, since Shan gave Ricard the advantage, the extra vote for safekeeping. They get back and they keep having this conversation. And uh, the only thing that keeps popping into my mind is Golem with the ring on Lord of the Rings. Shan wants her precious back and she cannot let it go. What are you doing in this moment, Craig? If you are Shan or if you're Ricard, are you fighting to keep the advantage as Ricard? Are you fighting to get it back as Shan? Are you letting it go? What is, uh, because I feel like you want to avoid as much conflict as possible on this show. Okay, so Shan's playing bully ball. Like she's really running the slate here with her opening tribe, which is fine. I get it. It makes sense. But I was kind of on Ricard's side here, to be honest. Uh, I would have probably not given her the extra advantage because who cares? You're going to merge. And then there's 
12 people that you have to deal with and maybe one doesn't like you. She already probably doesn't trust you. So I would have kept the advantage for myself. I thought he kind of gave in, honestly. And she, like I said, playing bully ball and it kind of worked out for her. She's playing both sides of the fiddle here with what she did with JD. Now she's kind of the JD trying to get it back from Ricard. And I I mean, she's obviously using Ricard more than she is working with him. I actually like your point of view there. I, I, cause I was of the opinion initially that as Ricard, I should have just given it back immediately and been like, no big sweat, whatever. But you are right. Like they already had that conversation. She already has grown to distrust Ricard. Ricard can already sense that they know they're going to emerge or something like that. So at that point, it's really is like, let's just cut our ties here. And I guess we're kind of going to war. Yeah. Let's go uh, our separate ways. Yeah. I don't dislike that fully. Although if that's what you're doing, you get to the merge and you immediately have to be like, Shan is done. Ricard is done. Like there's no other focus for you than to, you know, wage war on that person, which in this situation, even if you go in waging war like that with only two people left on your tribe, that's not the person getting voted out. Totally agree. Also, don't you think that's already going to happen? Even though Ricard gave her the advantage, I still think they're going to show up and be like, Shan needs to go. Ricard needs to go. You know what I mean? They're already going to talk shit about one another. I think so to a certain degree, but also they're like so far on the bottom, I think they're forgotten for now. Do you think think Shan is is flying a little too close to the sun here with her gameplay? Like, do you think she needs to reel it back in? Because you can kind of be like a tyrant in your own tribe, but I wanted to ask you like, do you kind of change your personality once you switch to the merge? You can kind of, you get a second chance here to be a different person. It's a hard reset. Yeah, for sure. So what you do is, I mean, and, and Shan's gameplay up to now, you have to know that she's on a small tribe, nowhere to hide. You do just kind of have to force your way through, especially if you're losing and going to tribal. So I honestly really respect and love her gameplay up to this point. Right. But now she now only one person knows that she's a killer, right? Ricard's the only one that knows she's a killer, right? right. So couldn't she kind of sit back a little bit and, and like l- let a few tribals go by and then pick up her game again? Yes, that's exactly what she should do. It's lay low until, you know, until some of the smoke has cleared because there's going to be other wars waged before she has to step in again. And I think she can sense that. I hope that she does because she's been fun to watch and it will be fun to see her slow her roll a little bit if she can. Right. And so she's, she's uh, tasted blood, right? Like, yeah, can she, she sure reel has. it back in? Yeah. I mean, you get that bloodlust and it's hard to, you know, not slit a throat for a few, <laughs> for a few tribal councils. Well, well, you said something on token chains. You were like, I love watching people cry as they go home or something like that. When you like crush that. their dreams. Yeah. <laughs> as they go home, you think I'm not eloquent, eloquent enough to say something a little more intelligent than that. I said, I love seeing people cry as you crush their dreams. Yeah. The backstory to that is that we are all on Survivor, which A, is a ridiculous situation to begin with. We're very privileged and lucky and fortunate to be there. So then to whine and cry about things not going your way in the game is kind of interesting because it's just like a fortunate event that you're even there to begin with. So for me to have someone that goes in pinning all the hopes for their future on how this season plays out was to me ridiculous, whether or not I'm in charge of deciding what is ridiculous for people and their emotions. Now looking back, okay, maybe I'm not in charge of that, but (laughs) That was my mindset at the time because some people were like, this would mean so much. I'll cry if I get voted out. And I was like, well, I'm going to be the one to do it then. Yeah, this is all gravy, essentially, that you're on the it's show. It's gravy. It sure is. I mean, 
not to uh, discourage anyone, but there's 5,000 of people exactly like you to, from casting's eyes. Why do you think they picked you? I mean, look at me. Right. So the second I saw you, I was like, I want him on my team. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I mean, I just think I was refreshing for them. And I think they were kind of in like a reset m- motion. I know that the lady who casted me also casted coach and a lot of people in the network and in production did not want us there and casting specifically one person fought really hard for us and then the season ended up being a success and uh she ended up getting winning accolades for having the foresight to see that uh these more extreme eccentric characters would resonate with the audience because up until that point they were like let's find the salt of the earth like Joe Everyman is the only person that's really going to resonate with America. Uh, These outlandish characters aren't going to resonate as much. And so, uh, yeah. So I think that they, that it was just kind of like perfect timing. And, uh, and that's what getting cast for survivor honestly is like, do they need you in that moment? And do you fit whatever they're trying to build for that season? Right. And so that's why I always encourage people to send in a tape every season because they build a portfolio on you. Hear that, Riley? Riley? I'm taking notes. Okay, good. (laughs) So uh, Ricard does cave in, gives the advantage back to Shan, and uh, we go to Yasa uh, tribe and we see them get tree mail. A little backstory on tree mail. You're going to go out on the show, Craig, let's say, okay, you made it on Survivor. Uh, you're one of uh, 10,000 Craig Horlbecks in casting, and they decide on you. Uh, and you get out on the island, and the first day, you run to tree mail to check if anything's there. Nothing. Five minutes later, you decide to run back to tree mail just to check the mail again. Nothing. You're like an old, lonely person waiting by the mailbox. Uh, and after like five days straight of you checking the mail every 20 minutes, production finally finally comes to you and says, you know what? We'll actually let you know when tree mail arrives. Is that what happens? Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a bummer. That's not funny. I know. Uh, but, the first, but like otherwise, you'd spend half your time checking mail. How and far so, is tree mail away from camp usually? Well... A lot of times now they don't even have a mailbox. I think winners at war, they didn't have a mailbox. They simply pulled somebody into the woods and gave them the parchment. They used to have a box and they used to film that whole sequence, but I like the box. I like people walking anywhere together. It's just time for them to conspire. Yeah. And they do, they say, okay, you and you go and, uh, but they actually select who gets to conspire. Oh, they pick the people who walk to get the tree mail. Yeah. Wow. I was actually wondering about this because they've been hiding advantages in tree mail this season. Like there, there is a box this season because that's where they've gotten the advantages that they win on Shipwheel Island. Uh, and I was wondering, I was like, what if somebody else just went and opened it up and was like, here's an extra vote. But that makes sense that they pick them then. How do they decide that? That's kind of putting a thumb on the scale a bit there, isn't it? No. Uh, well, I mean, a lot of times they try to choose people who they know have to talk like people who have been itching to talk to each other. So it's probably uh-huh. going to happen anyways, or people that hate each other. Those tend to be the, like the two people, the two types of pairings they make. And, uh, and it's pretty quick, but like the longer it goes on, you know, the more scheming is going. So if somebody gets selected, go get tree mail and goes with somebody else. And then they end up taking like three hours 
to bring the mail back. You're like, oh, they had a pretty in-depth conversation. <laughs> right. Uh, so, so yeah, so they come back uh, and uh, you, we kind of get a hint that it's going to be some type of merge. Uh, and what's funny here is that Xander has a little confession about feeling like he's in with this foursome, uh, mm. the remainder of Yasa. The ragtag four. The ragtag four, which is fun, but his body language doesn't show that he's with them. Yeah, when opening the tree mail, all the three girls in Liana, Tiff, and Evie, they're dancing and having fun and high-fiving, and Xander is not. And then Liana uh, cuts straight to her, where she says Xander is definitely not with them. He is on the outs. I gotta say, I feel bad for Xander a little bit on this whole show. I feel like he's really put his body on the line for the tribe. Yeah. Like he's really beat up and bruised. He looked absolutely debilitated after the challenge. <laughs> he really did. He's got like burns all over him, like <laughs> yeah. scrapes and rug burns and dragging everybody is. up that giant boulder. And then they're Man. like, yeah, we're cutting Xander. And I'm like, God, yeah. that's brutal. That's how it is. I mean, it's, uh, it's not always the strongest or the smartest or the most willing. And that's like what makes the game beautiful is that, you know, you could be the worst of everything and still end up winning. Yeah. He's a bit more introverted than I thought he was going to be. I thought he was going to be a little bit more broy and kind of just like hanging out, chatting with people. They don't show a lot of that this season. Everybody yeah. just being social, which I kind of missed, but he's a little bit quieter than I thought he was going to be. Yeah, uh, to your point there too, I've also noticed that we're not fully seeing where bonds are being made. Ricard and Shan, why are they so do or die up to this point? Like, totally. did they, like, what pact did they have? We never saw them, like, really get close. They just were close and then worked together and never have separated, but we didn't get to see that. We're seeing it now, like, with Liana and Shan, and we're yeah. seeing it with others, but uh, there are those... Uh, those relationships that I still am wondering how they came about. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about that. I, I, it's like, maybe this is all just left on the cutting room floor for timing purposes because they just need to get all that stuff and they need to get in. But they've shown I, in the earlier seasons, you know, season one to 20, whatever, there was so much more footage aired about the actual like survival aspects of the show people yeah. rationing their food, arguing over the food, what's what going to bed at night is like building the camp. We've got none of that. And I think that is like really part of the show. And honestly, what I'm really interested in is seeing like how they survive, talking about their weight loss. You know, what are they eating every day? Evie mentioned at the feast, she was like, I haven't eaten in three days. I was like, I wish I could have seen them discuss that or, or how, you know, where they're at mentally as a survivor. Yeah, I, and I think we'll see that more. Initially, like the start, they still, some of them are probably running on adrenaline fully and haven't like felt the crash and burn of like being out there. It looks like Xander we see kind of has tuckered out this episode specifically. Yeah. Uh, but um, A, I think that's slow television nowadays to yeah, show all that. of that. And then secondly, there came a time in Survivor where people just stopped participating in camp life because Craig, imagine you're out there and you're building the shelter and you're the one that's working the hardest. And then it crosses your mind for what to potentially get voted out next. Why am I doing the lion's share of work here when in reality I could be gone and they could be utilizing all my hard work after I exit the game and immediately the second one person 
has that thought in their mind, everybody stops working. Yeah. And then it's just more like a war of attrition and survival where it's like, I can sit out under the elements as well as anybody else. So why am I building a shelter, which I'm fully capable of doing when not everybody is going to help build the shelter? I think you're probably right that it's it's a content choice because it's boring nowadays. I, I watched, I think it was season two, the Australia season with Elizabeth Hasselbeck that season. The whole show was essentially this, just them sitting there without any food withering away. And I part of me was like, this is pretty interesting to watch. It's like a human experiment. Now it's pretty much just a game show where everyone's arguing for 40 minutes every episode. And there's not as much of that, like survive the elements aspect. Right. You need drama and, yeah. uh, and it's fast paced. And so I think it's probably a combination of both. It's like yeah. kind of what the audience wants to see the pace. Cause there's the no game. rice. What are they eating? I feel like that should be more of a part of the show. It shows like, I mean, according to the people, this episode, they're really not eating anything, which is for me, the hope and dream because they're only out there 26 <laughs> days. So like, Let's make this hard for them. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So we go to Luvu, the blue tribe who has not lost anything yet. And Sydney says she's skeptical of the merge mail. It's too easy. It can't be that easy. And the men of the tribe, Nasir and Deshaun specifically, are preaching stay together as the majority, which if you're in the majority, whether you believe it or not, or have uh, aspirations to keep it together or not, that's exactly what you're preaching. Yeah, I think it makes sense. It's at least a facade that you guys can hold for a couple couple rounds, maybe knock one or two people out if you can, and then you divide and split yeah. up. Or even if you're not planning to immediately, you still let the others think that you are. So then when it you strike, it's at least the first vote is a little bit shocking. So uh, Nasir and Deshaun, I don't think have any uh, any hopes or aspirations to stick together, but that is what they're preaching. And uh, before we get into the, uh, I call it the merge challenge thingy. Riley, did I miss anything? I mean, they didn't call it anything. Jeff was just like, oh, this is not exactly a merge, but then it kind of was. Yeah. Oh, do you mean, <laughs> okay. Did, did I miss anything <laughs> up to this point? Is there anything specific that stands out to you uh, early episode that I missed? Well, I don't think so. I think you're about to get into my, like one of the most notable parts of this episode, which is when Jeff starts to speak to us again, which we thought they had done away with, but now we're yeah. back. We're back to Jeff talking directly to the camera. I like yeah. it. Oh man. Uh, Screw it. Craig, get you it, would be in the minority get out of there. this podcast. Oh, who yeah. cares? Why? It's, it's, I like uh, more probes is better. I like probes looking at me trying to act and you see the little camera person. That's fun. Okay. Sure. Fine. Uh, Craig, you're trying to get on the show, aren't you? No, <laughs> I no. I, you, I feel like if you work at a media company, they're not going to let you get on Survivor. If it's oh, like, that's Craig. bad news for Riley now. <laughs> Producer at the ringer. I don't know if that's going to work. I said this the first time you brought it up. I feel like I've said too much and written too much about Survivor. They'd be like, oh, this would be weird to have him on now. Right. Like producer of company that makes show about Survivor. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know either. I, uh, I, uh, it doesn't hurt to send in an audition tape. It takes you five minutes to make. Uh, but we go to the merge challenge thingy, which is what I officially call it. And Jeff breaks the fourth wall again, Riley and loosely and poorly explains what's about to happen to the point where in my mind, I'm actually thinking exactly Riley, what you said last time, just show us, don't tell us. 
Right. Because because all he does is set up. He's like, oh, you know, here we go. Even when you earn something, it's not guaranteed. And then he's like, this will ruffle some feathers. And it's just like, he's not actually explaining what's going to happen. He's saving that yeah. for all of the normal, you know, when he explains it to the contestants. Right. And so the whole time I was like, just what is the point of this? Like, just just do it. Just get to it. Just show us what's happening. Craig, rebuttal. It's a fair point. I don't like when they show the crew. I don't want that because I want to feel like they're alone stranded on this island. But every once in a while, probes flashing his dimples right at us. I don't mind it. Okay. Okay. So uh, two against one, 66% of Americans agree that Jeff should not break the fourth wall. <laughs> well, 33% of Americans think that he should. Uh, I, uh, I again did not love it. And then once they immediately explained what was happening in my mind, I thought, Oh, okay. All the stuff that Jeff set up was immediately explained here in a much better way. <laughs> uh, and, uh, they have everyone drop their buffs. So all three tribes come in, they drop their buffs and then they say, there's no tribes. They're going to draw for two teams. Uh, the winner of the t- uh, the winner of uh, the challenge gets the merge buff, the merge feast, and doesn't have to participate in the next immunity challenge, which means they are safe at the next tribal council. Uh, pretty big prize, honestly, and I do kind of like this twist. Um, then it goes further, where there are two people that will be sitting out. They're going to draw rocks. And those people that sit out, something will happen to them, but it's still unclear at this moment. And uh, they draw rocks. Did you like the this whole situation about half the team will be blue, then yellow, and then there's two grays and they sit off? Did you think it was too convoluted or did you not mind it? I honestly, uh, oh, I was going to get into it at the end of the challenge, but my I, I like the premise. I had only hoped that rather than draw teams, which is then random, that they did individual challenge and the first six got to go to the merge or something oh, like that. Like an endurance challenge or something? Yeah, something, whatever it is, just like something that's obviously even for all all skill types. And then uh, just say, okay, like, you know, whatever it is, like a little uh, obstacle course with a puzzle at the end or whatever. Yeah. And then, uh, and then just say, okay, first, first six, first seven, whatever they get the merge buff, they get in immunity. I like that. I like fighting and earning your way to the merge. And, uh, in that moment right there, it's right on, you're right on the cusp and you think you have it and you don't, I'm fine with that. I don't like or love leaving it to fate to a certain degree and drawing a rock right there. I think it would be better if like you put, uh, it in everyone's own hands to get to the merge. Right. Cause after you decided the teams, once the rocks were picked, you kind of knew who was going to win, or at least you had an idea because of how heavy blue, the blue team was, you know? Yeah. And oftentimes it does happen. So they draw rocks and, uh, two people will be sitting out whose fate will be decided later, not, uh, known to us yet. And, uh, it's blue rocks versus yellow rocks. And the yellow is Xander Heather, Liana, Tiffany, and Shan. And blue is Danny, Ricard, Sydney, Deshaun, and Evie. And the blue is totally stacked here. Yeah. I mean, Danny and Deshaun have been together all season. They've been really good physically. Sydney's strong, Evie's strong, and then Ricard seems competent. Like everybody can contribute on that team. Right. And then you look at uh they have the uh, the other team, uh Yellow has Heather and 
Tiffany, who have been notorious for failing in challenges. And uh, poor Xander has to put the entire team on his back. <laughs> <laughs> Which he's done so many times this season. Uh, and it starts with digging up a gigantic, <laughs> they call it a boulder, I believe, but it's just like a giant sphere that uh, insider info, those props are heavy. That thing is probably a couple hundred pounds at least, I would wow. assume. And they make them heavy. Like you look at it and you're like, okay, it's probably just styrofoam. But the second you put some weight behind it, you're like, okay, this thing is surprisingly heavy. And I have no doubt that that was the experience of these guys. And as they're digging around, both tribes are digging around this sphere, which is gigantic. In my mind, the only thing I can think is in this moment, I would have hoped to have picked a gray rock. (laughs) Nasir is over there sitting in the shade. Yeah. Feeling good. I got a question for you. Do you get to watch the producers run through the course of the challenge before you go? No. So what happens is you show up to the challenge. They do not let you look at the challenge at all. So backs to the challenge or they hide you in a tent or behind some trees. Uh, They bring everybody out to the mats to draw the rocks and do those things, but they keep you like, uh, they make it even. So everybody's eyeballs are on the challenge for the same amount of time. Then once they split up in teams, Jeff says, okay, we're going to walk. I'm going to walk each team through separately. And while your team is not doing the walkthrough, you're back hide, hidden from the challenge. So you can't like eyeball it for extra amounts of time or watch the other tribe do their walkthrough. And at that point, Jeff goes through piece by piece, explaining the challenge and taking any questions that you could have about the challenge. In that moment, uh, you kind of just like piece it all together and look and decide who's going to do what and then have any questions of like, okay, do we have to get all of this here? Do we, can we do it this way? Yeah. And then. He puts you aside and he does, uh, he either draws to see who goes, which tribe goes first or whatever, but it doesn't really matter because your eyeballs are on it for the same amount of time. He does the same walkthrough with the other tribe while the first tribe is hidden again. And then he gives you five minutes to strategize and you can ask questions to Jeff. So he kind of stands in between the two tribes as they're kind of doing their strategizing. And you can be like, Hey, Jeff, come here. Can we do actually do this? And at that point you're thinking outside the box. So you're like, okay, is there any workarounds we could create in this challenge? Is there anything that we think might be like a gray area that we don't want to like have to reset for? So you can go to Jeff and be like, Hey, can I do this? And if he says no, then you can't. But if he's like, yeah, I don't see why you couldn't do that. That's makes sense. Uh, and then, he gives, then he stops everybody, makes sure both tribes understand, and then goes from there. Got it. Very calculated the amount of time your eyeballs get on the actual course. Yeah, they will scream at you. Production will scream oh. at you if you like turn your head to look at the challenge because everybody's trying. You're trying to peek, you're trying to see, you're trying to see if it's something you've done because then you can get your wheels turning. Right. And, uh, and so, uh, yeah, so. It's very calculated in in that respect. They try to keep things very fair. I also believe there is someone from some outside ethics committee hired by the network to make sure that it's absolutely fair for everyone involved oh, wow. as a game show. Yeah, I mean, even if the if the yellow team got a sneak peek, like short of giving Xander like a protein bar, I'm not sure what that how that would have helped them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, they get surprisingly close, honestly. So it is blue versus yellow, blue being the stacked tribe. And they uh, 
Blue gets the boulder out way quicker, gets through everything a lot faster, and then there's a slide puzzle that spells out a merge feast. And Yellow, while way behind and pretty much carrying Heather all the way to the end, and then Jeff noting it again. (laughs) How are you feeling as Heather at this point, Craig? Are you feeling like I'm pathetic and Jeff's just putting some some sugar on it so that I don't feel that way? Or are you thinking like, I am a fighter? Like what, like if somebody kept, I was a pro cyclist for a long time. And if you fall off the back of a bike race and are still going, you go through and the crowd is like, keep going, buddy. You're doing great. And in your mind, you're like, no, I'm not. Stop. Like, stop. I, you're, it's almost patronizing to me that you are doing this when I can tell that it's just a facade for how poorly I'm, uh, uh, I'm performing right now. I think it depends on what you're thinking when you go on to the show. Like you're an athlete. I don't, maybe Heather is an athlete, but if Heather goes into the show thinking, okay, the challenges aren't going to be my strong suit, then you know what? I, I think she's probably just like, I'm doing my best. But if you're expecting to do well and you do poorly, and then everyone's like, come on, Tyson, you got it. Then you're like, no, I, I'm a joke. Don't yeah. <laughs> stop <Okay>. patronizing me. <laughs> Okay. Okay. I never thought of it like that. I guess it is your frame of mind. Uh, Riley? Yeah, I I like that answer from Craig. Craig, I think you got to watch Heroes versus Villains next because that has an all-time performance of somebody going in thinking that they're going to do great at challenges and doing absolutely horribly. And uh, he just... The worst in every challenge, pretty much. Terrible. Wow. Every single one, not just one challenge, just throughout the whole season. Stunningly bad. Like, shockingly bad and it uh he <laughs> let's name some names let's name some names name a name sorry Riley. sorry tell us who it is sorry colby colby uh he knows uh oh colby yeah, colby oh, donaldson yes and you, you watch season two so you're familiar with him yes so uh, yeah. you think he's a challenge beast well i mean he was all right he gains a bunch of muscle goes on heroes versus villains flops so miserable in every single challenge bad, so miserable bad, in fact bad. that oh my god that at the live finale after party he sits in a corner and pouts the entire time because he knows how pathetic his performance was oh physically he was wow. literally like pouting like a baby in a corner so not a fan of colby you are i like colby he's a nice oh. guy okay but i mean when He's you perform that bad you yeah, yeah. I'm just calling a spade a spade, Craig. I like you just fine, but if you spent the whole evening celebrating a season where I personally flopped pretty bad, I wasn't pouting in a corner. Yeah, I got Colby got screwed though on his season. You got to admit, right? No, well, he I mean, he screwed himself. He made the wrong decision at the end. Yeah, yeah. he could have taken somebody else. He could have taken somebody that wasn't the nice old lady. It was that yeah, guy. Keith. I was still surprised. Yeah. yeah. Nowadays, he would he would have won. Oh yeah. I'm with you, Tyson. I feel like that that episode a few episodes back when Heather was failing at the challenge and everybody was like, oh, it's okay. You know, you're great. Uh, if that had been me, if I had been doing that and and everyone reacted that way, I would be like, oh my God, just it would be better if you told me how pathetic I am right now. <laughs> yes. like, and I could just be angry about it and not have to act like, oh, everything is okay because it's not okay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So... Yeah, I guess it's your frame of mind and your expectations going into those. Uh, So, Craig, uh, I think you win for the uh, insight to uh, what's happening here with Heather.
This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Ice Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Ice Tea and discover a berry delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry ice tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Ice Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Ice Tea. Blue ends up uh, dominating the challenge. Uh, I think it's probably more dominant than we realize because you do see the moment where Ricard's puzzle just clicks for him in his head and he's just like, I got it. And as a viewer, you're like, he's got it. And then he gets it. and. Blue goes to the sanctuary. Quotes. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Jeff calls it the sanctuary, which I'm assuming is a good thing. It sounds like a good thing, like kind of like a all-inclusive resort type of deal. And uh, the twist is they now get to choose between Nasir or Erica to be on their team and celebrate as a winner while having done nothing. And in turn, exile the other. Immediately as this choice is, is, is offered, I know that Nasir is going to be chosen to be a winner and Erica is getting exiled because we've seen this already teased up to this point where Luvu is all set to get rid of Erica. And uh, Danny does something, I think, pretty intelligent where he says, we decided with rock, paper, scissors, uh, and it's Nasir and brings him in. Uh, I believe the thing that would have been better is choose Erica. I a hundred percent agree. I I'm stepping on worse move if we end up doing that later, but Nasir loves you guys, you know, like he's a part, he's, he's with you, you know, he's, he would he's understand. Wo- he would know the strategy. He would know that that was strategic to do that. Right. You know, you wink at him and, and make him believe that this is all part of the play. And he's like, absolutely. You know, I, I'm a soldier in the army. Erica yeah. is already disgruntled. Yes. And you're going to send her off to an island where you pretty much know she's going to get some type of advantage, you would think. Yeah. Uh, so I, I didn't think that made any sense. And here's the argument here is in, when you're in the game, you, because on Blood versus Water and Winners at War, that was always the thing. It was like, if you get selected for something, do not choose your closest ally. Choose an enemy almost. And uh, I think that it really... It's hard. That's your plan. I told Jervis that. I told Monica that on Blood versus Water, which you haven't seen yet. They were my tight threesome. I said, if you win a reward, do not choose me. I do not want to be chosen. Let's not like draw lines here. They still chose me. And here is why. Because in that moment where you get to go enjoy a feast, the people you want to enjoy a feast with are the people you love the most because that's the maximum amount of fun you're going to have. So taking Erica, who's already on the outs, who you can tell does not like you and does not trust you, is probably not going to be an absolute pleasure to be at the feast. Uh, and you won't get to revel and share in it fully because you're sending a friend away uh, in Nasir. And so that is what you're, that's what you're having to d- distance yourself from is emotion. Yeah, it's a short-sighted decision there. You got to see the forest of the trees, right? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, and uh, so you're you're spot on there, Riley. Same, samezies. Yeah, I think you also could have spun it. You could have said, "Oh, we know it'll be it'll be so hard to be on this island 
that they were trying so hard to not call Exile Island, I think. Yeah. Uh, but then for, they did call it Exile Island. Well, I think they did. They call it Exile Island. They labeled Island? it. Oh, they did. They okay. I think the contestants did because they didn't know what else to call it. But I right? think they labeled it on the screen as Exile Island. Oh, when they on cut the screen to Erica they later. did. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So they're like, okay, Exile Island would be so tough. And, you know, Nasir is such a good survivalist. Like, let's send him, which it would be yeah. true. Uh, and Evie, you know, or not Evie, sorry, Erica can uh, come with, with them on the feast. So I think it would have been easy to do both for strategic reasons. And, you you know, you look good too. You're like, okay, we'll, we'll take Erica yeah. and Nasir, you know, champ, I know that you can handle it. And he can. And the other reason for doing this and for sending Nasir there is you have to assume at this point that there's going to be some power associated with being exiled. Right. And Nasir, as part of your alliance, is the person you'd want there. On token chains, we always tried to send people to exile that would then relay back to us uh, the, the information there, if we could, on top of continually sending the same person. So if they did get the advantage, they're not going to get advantage after advantage. We already know who it's with and can just keep them sending them back there over and over and over again. And then we know that if there is an advantage where it lies. Yeah. And so I think uh, Nasir would have made so much more sense here, but let's call this just a classic rookie mistake. Uh, seasoned veteran of the game, uh, if intelligent enough, would not have made this mistake. So then... We choose that. Erica is immediately pissed. You can tell that she is pissed. Nasir over the moon. Erica pissed. <laughs> and she, even though Danny tried to mask it as a rock, paper, scissor decision, Erica is not blind to that. And I think it's a really smart pickup of her to say the rock, paper, scissors thing was a front. I've known I'm on the bottom. This just uh, tells me even more that I'm on the bottom of right. what's happening there. Uh, really smart pickup by Erica. And it will be a testament to her intelligence if she continues, I think, that train of thought. Because there's a lot of times where you're like, I think I'm on the bottom. I don't know if I am. I can't, like, ruffle any feathers in this moment. I should try to, like, you know, still, like, make it work. But if she can say, I'm on the bottom, I know I'm on the bottom, the writing's on the wall, and then react accordingly, you've got a smart player there. Yeah, I think it's a weirdly good spot to be in when you're kind of at the bottom of your individual tribe and then you merge because then that kind of goes away and no one really seems to have you as a priority. You know, you're not the most physical. I think Erica is actually kind of, you know, we'll get to her advantage she was given later, but even aside from that, if she had made it to the merge, I think she was kind of in an okay position there because she's no longer top, she's no longer the top priority for people to want to vote out. Right, and uh, I agree. And I think that, you are in a position there, which is nice. Uh, the only argument then is that you have like what happened on uh, South Pacific with Coach and Ozzy as the captains where Cochran at the merge jumped ship and he did the last the longest of his original tribe, but was immediately voted out after his original tribe was all voted out. So you almost cement yourself uh, into a better position and to some longevity, but you still at that point have to make moves. Yeah. But it gives you some time to make moves. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's not, I don't think, the absolute best position, but it's definitely favorable. Yeah. Um, what do you think is the best position? Do you think she's in the best position at this merge as the bottom of the majority tribe? Uh, Who is in the best position of the entire 12 or 11 or however many it is? Correct. Oh, that's tough. I mean, I, or I where's definitely... the best position to be in, just hypothetically? It's... 
probably somebody who's on the uh, who's the team that didn't lose any any members Luvu, Luvu. yeah Pro- probably like Deshaun I think Deshaun's in a great spot a lot of people seem to like him no one's really ever talked shit about him he's not he doesn't have the Danny thing where he's the most physically imposing so people are going to want to get rid of him he's kind of just like sitting there in the middle so I do kind of like Deshaun and honestly this person won't win but I bet you Heather's like fourth this season they're just going to drag her along but why would they vote her out fourth historically this one of the the Maybe strongest third, players second. go out fourth. Yeah, okay. Then maybe third. Maybe she makes it to the final three because that just, I mean, it happens all the time. Yeah, it does. That I would say there's way more likelihood of her being a finalist than coming in fourth. Hmm. Okay, yeah. That makes sense. The, qu- the question um, is if that's even a good position though. Do you want to be the person who just gets dragged to the end because you can't win? But no, point, but I mean... It's like, what's, what's the w- point? I mean, if there's no other option have. for it, yeah. If it's all you have, <laughs> then yeah, fourth is great. Because then you never know. You know, I don't know. You so. convince yourself that anything can happen if you're just <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if I can just plead my case, uh, yeah, <laughs> that is true. Uh, so I, yeah, I honestly I like this merge twist uh, in theory. I like I said, it would be great if it was individual and everybody had more input on their actual on the actual income outcome because. Like if it's luck of the draw there with the tribes, then you can already be at a disadvantage just because fate has dealt you another crushing blow. Sorry, Xander. And then uh, we go to the feast, the merge feast, where everybody who won the challenge gets their merge buff. They're the only ones that have a buff right now. And uh, everybody talks about how hard it has been leading up to that point. No food, water, uh, and that's fun to hear. I like to hear that they're having a hard time. And then Danny, uh, we have a confessional from Danny uh, uh, being still worried about the wind, the women uh, sending all the men home. And we think, okay, yeah, that's smart to acknowledge that again, Danny. I think that you're onto something because in Survivor, you really are just looking at the most obvious lines that make sense in those moments and deciding that that's what it is, whether it's based on background uh you know growing up whatever it is it's you know it's whatever and men versus woman is a classic is a classic thing so i think uh yeah i think he's on to something so if you were let's say there was 10 10 people remaining on a season you were on and it was eight women and two men or seven women and three men would you feel at a disadvantage uh yeah for sure yeah I mean, part of it, it, part of it is it depends on who you're trusting and how much you trust them. But even still, there was a moment on blood versus water where I was looking at blood versus water. I was looking at a couple of things. I was looking at couples in the game versus solo people in the game at that point, men versus women and original tribe lines. Mm, yeah. And so I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, okay. I don't ever want to be in the minority of any of those situations. So we got to get rid of the co- enough couples that the singles are the majority. We got to always keep the men. And there was a moment where the women were in the majority. And you do like part that does cross your mind. You're like, did I make a mistake here by voting out Vetus in this case? Or, and you just don't know. Like in those moments, you like close your eyes and fingers crossed. And most of the time, those lines that you've envisioned or created aren't even fully formed. Right. And so uh, you just want to set yourself up that they can't form. 
And so, you know, there's so many lines drawn, generational lines everywhere you go there's crisscrosses of lines and you're just like doing the math on how many of those lines drawn are you in the majority of. On Winners at War, I looked at the lines and I thought, okay, there's generational lines. There's people who are married versus, or people who are married or, you know, partnered versus people who are single, people who have kids. So there's the parents line and men versus woman. There's so many lines there that you're just like trying to calculate everything and thinking, okay, if I'm in the majority of all of these lines that I've drawn, the problem is, is there's so many lines and there's lines that other people are coming up with in your head, in their heads that you didn't even think of. So I don't even know that it matters. It's just like something that crosses your mind as you go into a survivor game. Yeah. So do you think, I mean, so Danny acknowledging the idea here that it might be this kind of women picking off the men strategy, do you think that will help kind of erase that strategy out of Evie's mind, even though she claims it's not happening, even though it kind of is? So I think that Danny could use this to his advantage to rally the men to stick together. Yeah, I think that's the advantage it has. I think Danny did something poorly in telling Evie that he was concerned about the women voting out the men. Yeah. Well, you know, Zan, you know, Xander's on board. Xander's like, hey, <laughs> whoever, I'm on the guy's side. I need some help. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think that uh, that's, but like Danny being worried about it. Yes. Danny saying he's worried about it to somebody who isn't a man is a problem. Yeah. And uh, you can see it on Evie's face the second that he says it, that she's like, oh, no, no, no. That's not the way it is. And but that's a red flag, and rightfully so. Because I worry about a, Danny a little bit. That's essentially, yeah, that's essentially telling Evie that Danny is worried about her. Yeah, Danny's a little too forthright. Uh, he so, hasn't really been too cunning in any early aspect of the game. He's just kind of a good guy. You know, sometimes it's hard to lie for people. Yeah. Or to even keep things hidden. Uh, so we get that exchange, and they, that immediately I was like, don't say anything, Danny. And then he says something. Uh, and then we get to see Erica roll up to Exile Island, which I believe it was titled at some point in the episode. And she talks about how lonely she is and how alone she is. And it is true you are alone. But what you, the viewer, may not have realized is that there is someone from the camera crew there. Can you talk to them? In these moments where they have alienated you, they usually do not talk to you very much. They do try <laughs> to create like a very lonely experience and even to the point of ignoring you sometimes, I believe. Wow. I've never been on these. I've never been here where I've been by myself, but the, the, the information I've been relayed from relayed from contestants that have been there is that this is what happens is the crew just kind of like ignores you. There's usually only one person there with one camera and they keep their distance as much as they can. And so essentially what you have is a voyeur watching you suffer. <laughs> Which is even worse. And they swap cameramen and women out every yeah. eight hours or every six hours or whatever it is. Yeah. So you get to smell like the filet mignon dinner off the, on their breath that they <laughs> just barely had before they show up to the island. Although they are not allowed to eat in front of you or drink any beverages in front of you, including water. They wow. have to go hide to do that and keep that stuff very secure. That's a nice decision. That's a nice move. Yeah. I had, 
in one of the transport vehicles during one of the challenges, there was like a half empty bottle of water. And I saw it as I climbed in the vehicle. So I grabbed it and started, cause you don't get like full clean water and started guzzling as fast as I could. <laughs> and the handler there ran over and slapped it forcibly out of my face and it went flying. And then they dumped the water on the ground and were like, no, you don't get that. And I was like, well, worth it. It was worth it. I got a swig of clean water, clean, warm water that somebody had backwashed in probably. Uh, but that's the cleanest you're getting out there. So yeah, so they do really keep that stuff secure. And uh, it is worse. I think it is worse to have somebody there watching you suffer. Yeah, that is brutal. I feel, I would have probably tried to talk to the cameraman, to be honest. I would have done my best to have them engage with me. Uh, they might get upset at you or tell you to shut up. Maybe it might be like, I can't talk to you, or they might just like stonewall you completely and stare right through you. Like there's wow. a couple plays that production would use there to make sure you feel lonely. Wow, that's brutal. Well, at least Erica could get a fire going. I know there's been past exiles where it's raining and they have nothing. Yeah, incredible. She got a fire going and uh, we see a pot. I think it's rice. She opens it up. It's just clean water, which is kind of nice. And we know she's not dying in those two days because she has enough water to ration for her stay there, even if she just sat still the whole time. And then we get a uh, flashback of Erica and her family uh, moving from the Philippines to Canada. And uh, how hard her parents worked to get her where she was. And uh, I have to say, I think uh, Erica thrived fairly well out there. And uh, I will say, Mabuhai Erica, which I don't know if you know this about me. I speak Filipino, Craig. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Yeah. So uh, Impressive. Yeah, part of me has to be Team Erica at this point. Yeah, I mean, we didn't really get to know her too well until this moment. And I think she kind of came around for, for a lot of people, including myself. I'm, yeah. I'm rooting for a little bit more, especially that she's on the bottom for kind of no reason. Don't you think sometimes when when a group of people are looking for somebody to vote out, they kind of conjure up this idea yes. that this person is smarter than they actually are? And, oh, they've actually been quite strategic. And if they stay, it could be a problem for us when they're just like a normal person who's living their life. Yeah. Have you watched The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary? Yes, yeah. And where he would like conjure up these huge rivalries of somebody like cheering at the wrong moment or celebrating <laughs> like a dunk or something where he's just like, I have to destroy their entire career now. Yeah, That's essentially what you do have to do. You have to take any reason and magnify it to a degree that is ridiculous so that everybody can get on board and that it's not you. So you're picking at anything. You're like, Craig, I mean, is his eyebrows. Have you seen his eyebrows? And then everybody's like, oh yeah, like, I don't know about his eyebrows either. Let's get him out. Like that could be something like so ridiculous and mundane. And then they just magnify it. And, and so I think her being quiet and reserved and observant is what people are now labeling as strategic and yeah, cunning. conniving. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, or she just went to pee and everyone's like, what is yeah. she doing over there? Yeah. Or she's just, uh, not super social all the time and likes to keep to herself, you know, or she's shy a little bit or, you know, or she, yeah, whatever it is. Uh, so Riley, if you had to choose uh, one reason to vote me out right now to Craig, that would just fester and fester in Craig's head till he became my mortal enemy, enemy unbeknownst to me, what would it be? Too big of a threat. We got to get him out. Too confident. To uh, I mean, gonna win too many jury votes from uh, yeah, America here. 
His facial features are too striking. We can't have people looking at that. Yeah, my cheekbones (laughs) could cut glass. Yeah, we can't have that. Yeah, all this, too much. So that's that's essentially what you're looking for if you have nothing, is anything. Yeah. Um, Then we go to the Merge Beach with the Losers, where Xander has labeled it Mergatory. That should have been the title, I think. I think so, too. I like that. Yeah, maybe it's like when you look at the word, it doesn't. It's it's, it's easy to hear, but it's not as comprehensible to read. Maybe, but uh, yeah. Mer- Once again, Murgatory. Poor just, it looks like Murgatory. murgatory. Yeah, yeah like it murgatory. is Murgatory, probably not yeah. Murgatory. Murgatory sounds better. Yeah, poor Xander sauntering up, beaten down. Yeah, in Murgatory, floating around in Murgatory, and uh, we follow him. He he toys with playing his idol, which I don't think is a bad idea. And uh, Shan, maybe one of the bigger blunders of the episode, goes and asks Liana about her advantage while Tiffany's standing right there. And I have to say, that is new school survivor right there is no information is private. You have to assume that anything you're trying to keep secret, everybody knows if you've told anybody. Do you think she outed Liana to give herself a leg up? A little bit on purpose? Yeah, just to let other people know, just so everyone's not, maybe now people want to vote out Liana over Shan. I think that Liana let Shan know that she was with Tiffany. So Shan assumed that it was okay to have that conversation right there. Mm. Yeah. Liana misplayed so. it when they were on the, uh, the ship wheel Island and was like, Oh, I'm tight with Tiffany and Evie when she was actually withholding yes. information from Tiffany, at least if not Correct. Evie too. So Shan and, was like, Oh, okay. Hey, let's all, you know, Let's all just talk about this advantage, assuming Tiffany already knew. Yeah. Liana also could have just been like, no, I don't, I didn't get it. And then Shan would have been like, what? And then she'd be like, yeah, I just couldn't like risk it. And then she could go to Shan later if she wanted and have a private conversation with her. But instead she admits that she had gotten it and kind of skirts like what it is. And, uh, I love this little sequence of events of events because, uh, Tiffany is like, oh, you got the advantage. So it's an extra vote. Which Liana could have then again said yes yeah, right. <laughs> and ended the whole thing. But instead she's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell, I'll tell you later. And like, it's super sketch. And, uh, she, uh, she then goes to, uh, Shan and explains what the advantage is, which is what I like to call the, uh, it's knowledge is power, but I call it the go fish advantage Yeah, where she gets to go to somebody and say, do you have either an idol or do you have an advantage? And if they have that, they then have to hand it over uh, to Liana to own. And this is where uh, one of my super followers on Twitter uh, sent me a uh, voicemail. And he has some pretty fun uh, little question here about this advantage that I don't think we're going to see this season, but it is one of the issues. Uh, with handing out advantages like this. And uh, I'm going to play it right now. Hi, Tyson. This is Ryan calling from Seattle, Washington. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, I'm wondering about the knowledge is power advantage and how it interacts with fake idols. Uh, I don't think this is really clearly uh, spelled out. Uh, the rules of the advantage say that you can't lie if you're asked about your idol, but you might hold a fake and you don't know it. And what happens if you hand it off here? I, I don't think this is going to happen, but I think it could make for some good, weird TV. Uh, what do you think? Thanks so much. Keep up the good work. Bye-bye. So essentially what he's saying is, we saw Shannon Ricard make a fake idol. Let's say somebody had found that believing it was a real idol 
And then Liana actually tried to steal the fake idol, and which that person thought was real. And they said, yes, I have an idol. Here you go. And then production has to step in and say, well, that's not a real idol. Like, how does it, what happens? And the problem with this idol is that production has to verify. It doesn't give someone the opportunity to lie or to manipulate. They, are, they can't in this moment. And I think that is a little bit of a problem. Can you only can you only use the knowledge is power idol at tribal? Yes. Well, then, no matter what, anytime an idol is used, you have to bring it to Jeff anyway, and he verifies it, right? So, dude, she play it after? Yeah, I don't know. That she, she has, has to, to play, play it before. It. But well, she could play like I, like what she I has think to play Liana it at tribal. could do is play it at tribal, take someone's idol, and, and, then, and then get out. But it. she doesn't have to. She doesn't she, have to play it then. But she also. So you're saying. But does she have to at, does she have to play go fish at tribal or can she do that anytime? She has to play go fish at tribal is my understanding. So what I'm thinking is like, let's say Craig, you found a fake idol. You believe yeah. it to be real. You tell Liana, you have a real idol. You go to tribal council. She stands up and says, I have this advantage. It's the go fish advantage. Craig, I know you have an idol. Here's the parchment. Read it. You have to give me the idol. You read it. Production in their mind is thinking, shit. What do we do here? You read it. You say, oh, okay. She says, I want your idol. You say, oh, I do have an idol. You pull it out, at which point Jeff has to then step in and be like, that's not a real idol. It blows up the fake idol. It blows up Liana's advantage. And it causes for some wire crossing that we wouldn't for sure see on TV. There's no way that they could show this if this happened. Well, I guess my only thinking is, I, it would make sense to me that any time this knowledge is power advantage is like enacted during tribal, Jeff would have to say, hey, hey, I need to verify that this is a real idol before you guys do the swap. And then he'll go, this is fake. I'm sorry. You know, I'm yeah, vetoing the, the swap. But that's then, the, I, I agree. But that's a problem in that he has blown up the fake idol. Sure. I guess the knowledge is power thing is that. But so then the fake idol tricks two people. Yeah but it doesn't trick the person into in, that is holding it. So, I mean, I guess essentially it's just like, oh, that sucks for Liana, yeah. but it also, the other person got outed for holding a fake idol. It's just a buzzkill. Yeah, all the way around. Yeah, that's true. Riley? This is such a good question. Who Who is this I think follower? so too. This is like this so is, perceptive. I, I He's had a lot of, Ryan Barry has had a lot, he's gone back and forth. I have uh, super followers on Twitter, which I uh, interact with about Survivor, and that's pretty much the only audience I interact with publicly about Survivor at this time. Uh, and he has had some breakdowns about the puzzles that have been really, had really good insight. And this question here is like so perfect. And uh, that's what I uh, like. That's the thing. Like when you're building this show, you have to have a team of people that are constantly thinking outside of the box like Ryan Barry is here in order to make sure that the show is fluid. Yeah. yeah. Do you think, I think it would be fun if the knowledge is power advantage p- gets passed on. So if you swap it with somebody, now that person who had to give up their idol now has the knowledge is power advantage. But then it tr- it's like a white elephant gift where they can't go back to the person who took theirs. Correct. That's not bad. Uh, I mean, I mean if, it we, is. We, that, we already have a hundred wrinkles in this season. What's one more? That's true, and uh, <laughs> I mean, the holiday season is upon us soon. So why not do some white elephant gifting, right? Yeah. 
But yeah. uh, Ryan, that's a great question from Ryan there. I already yeah. dislike the knowledge is power advantage so much because I I hate the idea of telling somebody that they can't lie. Like if that was me and I had an idol and suddenly like you have to tell the truth. It's like, well, what the heck? Like it's Survivor. I shouldn't have to tell the truth ever. Like you should always not know. Nothing should ever be 100% truthful. And it outs you to everyone in that moment where it's like he has an idol and he's now announcing it to us so everybody he kept it secret from you know you can't trust this guy even though he doesn't have an idol now like that's there's a lot of wrinkles with it and And like uh, and the way that liana got the advantage too she went to the you know she risked her vote other people have gotten an extra vote it's like okay that's a good little piece of power but sure suddenly that then they changed it for this one and liana gets this enormous amount of power Especially because uh, everybody's had to announce basically they have idols. Like Liana should know where all of the idols are. She should know that right. Nasir, Shan, and Xander are all holding idols, and she can steal any of them. Yeah, and she does. She does. We because we get her toying with the idea of taking Nasir's or Xander's idol. She's not going to take Shan's because she's aligned with Shan tightly in this moment. Right. And uh, and so I yeah I. I don't like it either. I don't like the knowledge is power advantage. Typically we see somebody with this much power in the game goes on to win or immediately get voted out because they're holding this strong of an advantage. And, uh, Craig, you saw Kagayan recently, uh, Tony got the like impossible, incredible Tyler Perry advantage, which is pretty much like you're winning unless you're an idiot. Oh, he had like two uh, advantages, the super advantage. And I think he made a fourth Fake one. So, I mean, people thought he was like Thanos. Stacked. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And he kind of was <laughs> yeah. uh, because of all the advantage power. And uh, and so, yeah, I, I, uh, I hate it. And that's it. I also don't like that everybody on the show knows who has what advantage. There's nothing kind of for the audience member at home to know. I liked right. knowing when somebody had an idol and nobody else knew. I felt like I, that you was know. That was fun. Yeah, it was fun. It, it was exhilarating. Now everybody just, it's so open because it's so, all these rules are so public and convoluted. Yeah. Do you think Jeff is breaking the fourth wall with the contestants and just showing up to camp and being like, hey guys, Nasir and Shan and uh, Xander all have idols, just FYI, in case you didn't pick up on it at the last uh, challenge. Yeah. He's like, there's a tree mail that will announce who has what idol and how it can be used <laughs> coming tomorrow. <laughs> so, I mean, they're trying new things. And there's stuff stuff that will work and there's stuff that won't. And uh, sometimes you really can't tell until you watch it play out. I don't think we'll be seeing the knowledge as power advantage in uh, the same capacity anytime in the future, unless it's uh, season 42 only. Uh, and uh, so back to that, back to the uh, murgatory uh, Liana and Shan are talking about targeting Nasir and Xander's idol. So they are correct there. And they lock in their alliance. And it's not really secret. And we cut to Tiffany noticing that they're in alliance. And she also knows that she's on the outs, realizing that Liana uh, kept the advantage secret from her. And uh, this is another really fun sequence of events, and it shows how quickly everything can change in Survivor. Liana now wants Tiffany gone, and Tiffany now wants Liana gone. And they were in a tight threesome group together, 
and they are now at each other. And rightfully so. I mean, uh, Liana recognizes that Tiffany has caught her in hiding stuff. And uh, Tiffany realizes that uh, Liana wasn't being honest with her. So that's how Survivor plays out. You can't share all of your advantages, but if you get caught not sharing your advantages with the people who trust you most, that breeds distrust. Yeah. You need to give everybody just a little bit of something, something, a little bit, something that they can nibble on that allows them to trust you. Just give them, even if it's a lie, just something that makes them believe that you're confiding in them. Yeah. And I also think like, if you're not going to share the advantage, don't share it with anybody except for your closest. And you don't, the advantage is it's a balancing beam because you can't share them with anybody. But if you play them without sharing them with the people who trust you most, that will then give them reason to distrust you. So my opinion is that the best thing to do is hold on to it at advantage in secret if you can. And before you play it, tell your very closest allies that you just found something and you're playing it. Hmm. Because then when you use it, it's over. It's and- not a shock. Correct. And you are no longer, you're not at a disadvantage because you're not um, giving them a piece of information that they can use against you because you're going to use it. Correct. And now they feel like, oh, this person trusts me and they gave me some information. You get it, Craig. You get it. Look at you. You won the damn show. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just agreeing with you. (laughs) Yeah, no, but those are all the exact points. And those are, that's everything that goes through my mind in making this decision. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear. Especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it you can work out in it. You can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And then we go back, uh, we're staying there at Murgatory and the winners come back to camp and everybody meets and everybody's happy to meet and hugging and loving up on each other. And, uh, you know, it's all a facade and, uh, and, uh, that I think that's stated to a certain degree. Xander and Nasir bond over idols. They're like high five and that they have the idols and pretty much like, let's cover each other. Cause we both have an idol. Uh, we see Tiffany off to the side. We don't hear everything she's saying, but we can assume that she's telling Sydney about Liana's advantage. I think we get a little whisper of it. So Tiffany, who promised Liana she wouldn't tell anybody about this advantage, is already telling somebody about the advantage, which on New School Survivor, 
is the way it happens. You cannot trust anybody to keep anything secret and just have to assume if somebody finds out a secret about you that everybody knows it. Uh, and then, uh, Danny, uh, talks about uniting the guys. And I think he's talking to Xander here, uh, about, is that who he was talking to Riley? Who was he talking to about uniting all the guys? I actually can't remember. I'm sorry. Well, I know. I mean, Danny, Deshaun, Liana and, together. and Sean, they made a pact as well. Yeah. That comes on right after this. So we, so Danny talks about uniting the guys. Sydney wants Erica gone. Danny wants Erica gone because he wants the guys united. And then uh, you kind of see like this is a classic merge uh, survivor where the majority kind of starts to cannibalize each other. And uh, everybody sees it. It happens many, many seasons where the strong majority going into the merge ends up not being the majority after one or two votes. And this seems to be turning out this way. And then we get a little snippet of Shan, Liana, Danny, and Deshaun forming an alliance. And it's a little bit reminiscent of the cookout alliance on Big Brother. And it's just one of those things where you're picking at lines that are the most obvious and that are seem like they will be a good fit for you. And uh, Liana explains that, you know, this is the, the uh, four black contestants and they have decided to form an alliance and keep each other strong and get all the way to the end together. And Liana explains that, you know, when you have shared experiences in life and shared backgrounds and similarities, that is what you bond over on Survivor. And uh, it's the, honestly, it's the tightest alliance you can have when you have shared backgrounds and experiences with somebody. And, uh, and so, I mean, that's something that could potentially run all the way to the end. Historically, we don't see bonds like this lasting all the way to the end because it's a tricky balance. If Danny is still concerned, Danny and Deshaun are still concerned about an all women's alliance that will cause some issues there because as worried as they are about that, Danny has already announced to Evie that he is worried about an all women's alliance, which should then put Shan and Liana on a little bit of an alert that Danny is also targeting women to a certain degree. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see some type of argument here where the next voted out Danny and Deshaun want it to be a woman, maybe Erica and Shan and Liana want to also keep uh, the all women's thing in their back pocket as long as they can. Do you think there's a perfect number for uh, a bond for, for like an alliance when you merge? Is there a perfect size of the group? Man, it's hard because there really isn't, I don't think. I mean, you've got to be in the majority, but how tight is the majority within the majority? Right. Which the is core. essentially what this is is building to be is the core of the merge majority. And so it's, it's tricky because you just have to have people that you can fully trust and that fully trust you. And at that point, it doesn't matter really how, if it's two and you're able to like work in some cracks and get information that the other one's not able to get, that goes far. If you're three in that tight, great. I think the larger the number that is that tight, the better. But the second there's rifts in it, 
that's a problem. So you run a greater risk the larger the group is because the second somebody in that core group decides to do something uh, unbeknownst to the others in that group, it explodes the entire thing. Yeah, there's just more variables at play the larger the group. Correct. So you have two tight people that are like sticking there. On Blood versus Water, it was Jervis and I, and Monica was in that three, but Jervis and I did not share all the information with Monica. So it was mostly Jervis and I running it with Monica feeling really close to us, close enough that she was helping us and feeling like she was part of the tight threesome. And so uh, that's, but if Monica had found that out, she would immediately have jumped ship. Do you think that was kind of like Tonkin Sheen's a little bit with JT and Steven kind of being a tight duo and they would kind of bring people in a bit and then kick them out? Correct. I don't think they necessarily kicked them out, but they did bring, you know, they brought Taj in, they brought Aaron in and then they did. Yeah, they did end up voting him out. But yeah, I I agree. I think that's exactly what it's like. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if uh, Shan, Liana, Danny, and Deshaun can hold tight. Uh, Liana has an advantage, which is she's going to have to expose to Danny and Deshaun at some point. Is she going to be able to do it in a manner that isn't threatening to them or doesn't uh, raise red flags? Shan already has a couple advantages. Mm-hmm. And to my knowledge, Danny, does Deshaun have an extra vote, Riley? Deshaun has an extra vote. This is the one that I think everybody is going to forget about because it happened kind of quickly in like the second yeah. episode and has never been referenced since. Right. So I think that uh, he's in a great spot here. Honestly, Deshaun is. That's a really powerful four. Yeah. You got, you have, yeah. so there are six votes, an idol, and the chance to steal an advantage or an idol just among those four people. Yes. And my hope, honestly, is that we see, uh, this is a two-part episode. We're going to see the second half of it next week. And my hope for the Tribal Council is that many, many advantages get played and flushed. I want to see one advantage again Tribal Council and then a hard reset and not as many advantages introduced in the second half of the game. I agree. And and just I just don't like that each advantage has its own specific rules to where they're having to now put it in the lower third. When somebody's name pops up, they're having to tell you what their specific what it advantage is. It's it's yeah. a bit yeah, it's a lot. It is a lot. So it'll be good to get some of those out there and played and uh gone. And you never know. Anybody with advantages that gets voted out, their advantage immediately evaporates. So I mean, and it is kind of shaping up to be that because who knows where the lines are? Everybody's kind of like, you know, uh, qu- questioning where the lines are drawn. And uh, do you think it's like, are, are the lines even blurrier than they are in a normal season because Luvu never went to tribal council? So like they don't even know among their own tribe where the lines were. That's how token chains was. I mean, we voted off. Because you just voted off a, a couple of people who were clearly at the bottom and then it was Correct. the rest of you. It wasn't clear. Yeah. Correct. We didn't have enough time with each other to know, but you could kind of get a sense. You can feel who's not with you, really. Like we knew Aaron wasn't with us. And so uh, that's where, you know, the the question throwing a challenge comes into play. Like you can tell they're not with you. So do you get rid of them now or do you like then just like go into the merge knowing that? And I think that that's a, you know, that's a, it's tricky. I, Luvu definitely doesn't know fully where the lines are drawn, but 
they've had enough time with each other that they have been able to create some lines. And their line is, Erica is not with them, which is a correct read. And, uh, and Erica also knows she's not with them. So <laughs> I don't know that that's an advantage. Um, it's probably a disadvantage for them going to the merge knowing that somebody's not with them. And, but, but less time too, because it's day 12 and they're merging. And so that's, you know, on a normal season, that would be stupidly early. Yes, correct. So yeah, it's, it is a little bit tricky there, but I don't know. It'll be, it's one of those things where like you have to hopefully set yourself up good for the first tribal council at the merge. And then you'll be able to see where the lines and what the trajectory is and hope it's not you. Right. Like do everything you can to get it off of you and then see where it goes and then react accordingly. So, uh, like token chains was very, uh, like I knew that it was either going to be like me or coach or Brendan or Sierra that got voted out first at the merge. And if it was Brendan or Sierra, then everything for me is fine. If it's coach, then I have to react. And I had won immunity at that point. So I wasn't concerned with myself and I'd already said, okay, if they vote coach out, then I can react accordingly and try and scramble. If they vote Brendan out, then I'm safe. And probably me winning immunity in that moment was the thing that swayed the vote to Brendan for the other side assuming like, okay, Tyson's going to be back. If we vote out coach, he'll know. And then he's going to start, you know, causing chaos. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You, that's a very good point that after the first tribal, after the merge, it's when you know, because there's so many alliances getting thrown out at the merge. There's like six of these Venn diagrams. Every, all these yes. alliances are blending. And yes. then once that vote happens, you're like, all right, these are the two that actually made it through the mud. And these are the where we stand right now. Correct. And so, and then once those make it through the mud, you still have to then, if you're in the majority alliance, you still have to then say, okay, what's the core of this alliance? Am I in the core of the alliance? And do I just try my hardest to keep it together as long as possible? Or am I at the bottom of the alliance? And does it make sense for me to jump to the other side when the math works out and swing things back in my favor a little bit? There's just like so much to the game and you have to be aware all the time but you're starving and hungry and emotional and all of that makes for sometimes a uh, uh, less than logical uh, strategy. Do you think all of that forethought, do you think every winner or every person who goes top one, two or three typically is putting in all of that thought that you just laid out? Or are there a majority of the people that just kind of like kind of blindly get to the end, just playing the game without really thinking too much? I think somebody in the finale that's their train of thought usually. And then they can explain it to the others in their alliance that are the finalists, or they can kind of dictate who goes to the finals with them, et cetera. I don't think that everybody that gets to the finals is thinking that, but I think definitely usually, usually at least one person has, that's been their train of thought. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we go from, uh, Murgatory uh, with the winners joining the group back to Exile Island with Erica, and she's looking lonely and tired and sad. Did you yeah. notice how sad and lonely she looked there as they zoomed in on her face? Yeah, just sitting there sauntering, sad. Got a fire, though. Impressive that you got the fire. Yep. Mabuhai Erica. <laughs> she got a fire, and she sees a boat show drive up, and uh, lo and behold, Jeff 
shows up, which we don't see very often. We don't see Jeff at camp. Uh, let's see, in all my four seasons of Survivor, I believe I've only seen Jeff at camp once. And that he came is, for the Joe, the Joe medevac. Yes, is that it? That was in token chains when he came out to tell us that Joe had been medevaced after the challenge. And, uh, they sent us all back to camp after the challenge where medical stayed with Joe and we left him behind. And then it was pouring rain. We had planned to vote Brendan out. And, uh, Jeff came and told us that Joe was gone, which upset me because we'd already put the plan in play to vote Brendan out. And like, true old school survivor, we were able to keep that vote super secret for three entire days till the next tribal council and then vote him out, which would not, absolutely would not happen in today's survivor. Nobody can keep a secret these days. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's the age of information. Tweeting out every thought. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Riley, respond. Yeah. All these contestants are soft. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah, they are. They don't know how to keep anything to themselves. Have a little That's patience these days. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to be patient. It's uh, you want to get the game going and playing. Uh, and Jeff sits down, talks to Erica, asks her how things are going, and then he presents her with this hourglass thing. And I don't really know how I feel about this. So essentially, uh, the hourglass uh, is called uh, what's it called, uh, Riley? I thought you just called it an hourglass. Yeah. And he just like kind of read his cryptic little poem. The you something said, of time. You, uh, didn't he? You can go first time. You said the you history go back of the in game time and change history. Oh yeah. yeah. So well, so he. Oh yeah. You can change. You go back in time and change history. And essentially, if she decides to smash this hourglass that Jeff, Jeff has presented her, they she can change the outcome of the merge challenge, and everybody who lost the challenge would then become winners, including her. But everybody who won the challenge and Nasir would then be losers and up for elimination at the next tribal. Jeff's wording pretty much, in my opinion, has already told Erica, you should play this. Yeah. And the wording She's gotta smash it. She's gotta smash it to make survivor history, I think is what Jeff said. Oh. And so at that point, once Jeff is telling you to make survivor history, how can you not, Craig? Those dimples, yeah. he's looking in your eyes. He's got a little extra long hair. He's got a little flow this season. Yeah, a mane. Yeah, a mane. She has to do it because, I mean, she already knows she's on the outs with her tribe with Luvu. And not only that, she's a part of the group that theoretically lost. I mean, she's guaranteeing herself into the next round if she smashes this hourglass. And honestly, by then, there will be a whole nother challenge. Somebody else will win immunity. A million new alliances will have been made. She'll be yesterday's news and probably won't get voted out anymore. 100%, Craig. And that's the way you have to play Survivor is exactly like that. Too many people are too concerned with three moves down the road if they slight somebody or like every, the lines are constantly redrawn and redrawn and regrouped and redrawn. And it's like you can't you need to play in that exact moment for that exact situation and then react accordingly after that. And uh, so he leaves her with that thought and says, you just have to smash it by the time you come back is that is that what he said riley by the by the time she leaves the island yeah it's like her last morning on the island is is her last time to smash it okay and uh how could she not smash it but that's the end of the episode there uh and we get uh next time on the show uh it shows uh erica back with all the contestants on a platform talking to jeff 
And she has to then announce to all what her decision has been with this hourglass, which again, I dislike that she has to announce this publicly, her advantage, and then what she chooses for everyone. Uh, It's similar to Liana's advantage where production is forcing a person to state the absolute truth here. Yeah. Everything's just a little too public. There's no way for her to twist it. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way for her to twist it to be like, it wasn't fully up to me. They, you know, like, it's like, this is her decision. And how could she not, like you said, Riley? And uh, we'll stay tuned for next episode. Maybe she doesn't. Uh, Regardless, either way, I'm excited to see it. And uh, before we move on to uh, Survivor survivor, uh, Superlatives, uh, Craig, closing thoughts on the episode? Really happy for Xander, my boy here, who hopefully gets another another uh, through another tribal because Erica will smash this hourglass and he, for once, doesn't have to be worried that he will get voted out. So I just want him to rest, get some sleep, have some rice, <laughs> and, and come back stronger the next day. Right. Okay. Uh, Riley, closing thoughts on the, on the uh, episode? It's really weird to have an episode that doesn't end in a, in a tribal yeah. or at least somebody going home. I feel, I feel unfulfilled. Like, I need blood. I need someone to go to, to go. sleep at night. Yeah, to sleep at night, you need someone to uh, dreams to be dashed. Yeah. Yes. I need to see a torch get snuffed or it's just really not survivor for me. Yeah. I, uh, when uh, Jeff said it's a two part episode, I was fingers crossed that they were going to do like bachelor style where they're like, tomorrow is another episode. I was like, ah. yes. But then I thought they didn't announce that it's got to be next week. So, uh, we got to wait till next week to see. And, uh, with that, we move into Riley before we get into this. Before oh. that, we got your beard update. What day are we on here? 36. Craig, I don't know if you've known this, but uh, uh, Ry- I challenged Riley to grow a 26-day beard just to see what it would be like to sit at final tribal council with the facial hair. And we did that, I would say, fairly easily. Right, Riley? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, is it's those first few weeks that are the most annoying, I found, because mm-hmm. that's when it's all itchy and scratchy. Uh, but yeah, 26 days did not feel like too long. Like if you were out there on an Island, it it would, uh, yeah, it's, it's just not that long. Yeah. And, uh, it isn't. And now we're at day 36, three days away from a 39 day beard. Is that a lot different than a 26 day beard now that you've gone 10 extra days past, uh, whoever wins this episode, this season will go. Yeah. It's, uh, it's getting pretty long for me now. And it's the, it's the cheek area that is just ugly for me. It could just kind of sticks out. It's super, super patchy. I like really, really am dying to shave it. Riley, are you in a relationship? Yes, he was. How's that going? I <laughs> still, still am. Still am. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> good sign. Uh, yeah, it's fine. Uh, you know, she's supportive of me on this podcast and doing this <laughs> as a bit, but, uh, I think long term, you know, we'd probably have to have some discussions about it. She's hoping you get voted off this pod ASAP so you can shave that thing off. She was excited about the beard at first. Well, she thinks it's like fun to do. Um, (laughs) She doesn't like it. She's not like a beard person. I don't know. Because she's not, she's like not really one way or the other about it. You know, she's very like, oh, okay, you know, you can kind of choose what you want to do. And so I'd say she's more agnostic about it. She's not like, oh, you have to shave it off. She's not like, oh, keep it. But I'm the one who's like, I got to get rid of this thing. (laughs) I I don't like it. It's not comfortable for me. (laughs) 
well, will you tweet at us on day 39 and let us, oh, absolutely. Uh, let yeah, us absolutely. see it? You, you can retweet your retweet and quote your 26 day beard and uh, then yeah. we can see it. And you're not going to shave on day 39, are you? I was going to go until next week's pod, which would put us okay. at day 43. And that would also be like definitively because uh, longest Australia went to 42 days. Yes. So if we do even winning Australia. Yeah. Right. It would be like, this is as much beard as I'll ever have to grow if I'm ever on Survivor. Except there are apparently some international Australian of Survivor, Survivor is go, like 55 days. So insane. I guess we have to go to 55. <laughs> so you got to look up Survivor. Apparently, I've never watched, but apparently there's a Romanian Survivor that goes for like over 150 days. We're doing it, Riley. No, we're not doing that. <laughs> I'm not. You are welcome to do it. I will not we'll be talk doing about 150 it. days. My mustache, because I started with a full mustache, is growing into my mouth. I can see that. I, yeah, and I catch it on my teeth when I chew sometimes, and it always gets like fragments of food in it. Uh, my neck beard is quite disgusting as well. Yeah, my, that's really bad for me too. And uh, uh, we'll see next week, but uh, we're not shaving. We're going Romanian Survivor full 190 days or whatever it is. I don't know who we is, but... Uh... Uh, it's not, it doesn't include me. <laughs> uh, I'm including you, Riley. I can't. Craig, what's I, the longest you've ever grown? I don't think I can do it. Oh, uh, maybe three, four weeks. I don't have it either. I, uh, my beard would not look good if I went on Survivor. It would look pubescent on my face. Yeah. When I, uh, won Survivor, uh, I would also say that not only did I win Survivor, I, uh, also won the, uh, gross beard growing contest of the, the, the year. Um, Riley, let's get into the superlatives real quick because we have already gone about 90 minutes, which uh, we love to do, but uh, Craig's probably got uh, people to see and places to go. Nope. Nope, he doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, cool. So we'll start with the best move. Either of you guys have a best move you want to highlight? I mean, not really. I had a big fat question mark here the entire time, and then I thought the best move was Erica getting the turn back time advantage, which is actually what they called it, the turn back time. Uh, and that was purely by uh, randomness that she got that. Yeah, I had trouble with this one as well because there was no tribal. So it was kind of hard to really decide what the best move was. I'm assuming Erica will smash the hourglass and that will be the best move, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the, we had your that. assumption of her smashing the hourglass yes. will be the best move for this week. Correct. Okay. We we had an episode like this a couple of weeks ago where it was like there were almost no good moves made. It was just kind of like adequate moves and then bad ones. Yes. Um, I was impressed with her making fire though on Exile. So okay, I'll give her a so little Erica, shout out for that. All the way around. Okay. All right. That, so yeah, let's do by worst default. Move. Yeah, worst move. Yeah, by default, Erica gets best move uh, unanimously. Uh, worst move, Craig. What do you got? I stepped on it earlier. I think it's sending Erica away. They should have sent Nasir away. I like that. I do like that choice. Riley? That would have also, Nasir would have had a much more interesting decision with the hourglass because his buddies, I don't know if they're buddies, but he's kind of aligned with Danny and Deshaun a little bit. He thinks they're his buddies, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that he would want, I don't know that he would do it. He would actually have a decision. If Erica doesn't smash that thing, I'll be stunned on the next episode. And everybody can tweet at me about how wrong I am. I would be shocked too. So uh, I have three worst moves here. I agree with Craig that uh, uh, Craig's decision, but also Danny telling Evie that he's worried about the women's alliance. Mm. 
Shan telling Tiff about Liana's advantage, unbeknownst to Shan, and uh, Jeff breaking the fourth wall uh, pre-merged tr- uh, <laughs> yeah. challenge good, thingy. Good pick, yes. Uh, so, I had Danny yeah. telling Evie about the All-Women Alliance, or about okay. how he's worried about a potential All-Women yes. Alliance. Yes. Uh, what do we have next, front runner? Favorite moment. Oh, favorite moment. Oh, man. I always forget favorite moment. Craig, what was your favorite moment of the episode? Uh, it was Nasir being thrilled to have a new buff and to make the merge. And just like how satisfied he is with his game and how he's playing. Uh, he like loved it. He's like, it's a red buff. It's beautiful. I get to have a feast. I'm playing great. Like he's just super happy. <laughs> I did like that. They always do black buffs for the merge. I love it. Anytime we get a colored buff. Yeah. We had red. Is that what we had? I yeah. thought it was kind of pink. Pink, red. Okay. He said red, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. But I just love how self-satisfied he is. Like, he's, he's already won in his head. Yeah. It's great. Uh, <laughs> Riley? I'll do. My favorite moment was Shan versus Ricard kind of circling each other uh, in that conversation at the very beginning of the episode where it's clear. It's like they're allies, but it is so clear that there's just zero trust there. And I thought all of that was riveting. Yeah. Uh, favorite moment for me, man, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I even have a favorite moment. Uh, I think all of it's my favorite. Can I say that? Or is that like a non-answer? I mean, yes, it's both, but you can say it. (laughs) I'll say it this time. I, I will keep in my notes for next time to have that in my mind while I watch the episode. Okay. So let's do front runner to win. Okay. Uh, Craig. I like Deshaun right now. I think he's in a lot of different alliances. He has not dominated the game by any means, which I like. And he is not really hated by anybody, which I like. He's kind of in that perfect, sweet middle middle zone right now. So I, I would pick him. Riley? I'm, I'm picking Evie kind of similarly on the Yasa tribe. There's a lot of dysfunction on that tribe, but Evie has kind of kept her hands clean and seems sort of uh, to, to have made alliances or friendships with basically everybody. Um, so I like her position right now. Okay. Uh, for myself, I, uh, am saying Danny or Deshaun. I think right now we're seeing that Alliance form, uh, with those two and, uh, Shan and Liana. And I believe that Danny and Deshaun are the least threatening of that core group that may or may not stick, but right now that's what we have. Uh, I think that Shan is just like too exposed with her, uh, advantages and her idol. Too many people know about that stuff. And similarly with Liana and her new advantage, um, especially when she plays it. And if she doesn't tell Danny or Deshaun before she plays it, that will throw up some red flags. Whereas Danny and Deshaun uh, don't really have much reason yet for anybody to uh, vote them out. So, okay. What do we have next? Oh, uh, next boot. This is the last one. Yep. Uh, I'll go first. I have Sydney or Evie, and I did it only because I'm assuming Erica smashes the time capsule. And so you have to take the people that currently are on the winning side of the merge, put them on the losing side. And uh, the Danny, if he has any leadership in, at the merge right now, is going to steer it towards a woman. And uh, Evie he might already feel like, Oh, I shouldn't have said that. And Sydney, just because, uh, some people kind of dislike her. So I think it's going to be one of them. 
but I could be all the way off. There's not like really, really great reason for either of them, but I think I'm just trying to think of what's happening. Also, uh, everybody talked about sending uh, Erica home next uh, episode, so we're pretty certain it's not her. Yeah, right. I I agree that if uh, Erica smashes, I also had Sydney because you know Deshaun has been trying to throw the challenges so they can vote out somebody other tribe anyway. And Sydney doesn't seem like the most likable person. And if they want to vote out a, a woman here, so they wouldn't do Shan or Liana because Danny and Deshaun have an alliance with them. And I think they think Tiffany and Heather are not real threats. Um, and then they seem to have a good relationship with Evie. So that kind of only leaves Sydney left. Plus, like we said, she's kind of a cantankerous person. And then if I think if if she does, if Erica does not smash the hourglass, it's, it might be Xander. Yeah, I think if it, yeah, I, that's kind of what I am thinking too. I, I think if the hourglass is not smashed, although would uh, Danny and Deshaun protect Xander or try their best to protect him is the uh, question there. So I didn't put to if she didn't smash it because it's almost like a foregone conclusion that she does. If she does not smash it, I will have to rethink everything I've ever seen on Survivor <laughs> and really do a lot of self-reflecting to wonder uh, how and why I went so wrong. <laughs> uh, well, I'll just throw a dart with my pick and say that I put Danny. Um, kind mm. of w- interestingly, Tyson, you, you're picking Erica uh, or uh, Evie as the next yeah. boot, who I picked as my front runner. You have Danny as your front runner and I'm picking him as next boot. So we're at odds yes. here. Um, but kind of for similar reasons, I think Danny spilled the beans about he's worried about this all women's thing to Evie and that could lead to him being a target. And I'm also assuming Erica smashes the hourglass, which would leave him vulnerable. Yes, that is true. And uh, if that's the case, that would immediately blow up the Danny, Deshaun, Shan and Liana alliance, which is probably the main core group alliance that we've seen at the merge this episode. Yeah, right. At the merge, yeah. Yeah, at the merge. That's the first thing we've, concrete thing we've seen form at the merge. So it'll be interesting to see. And uh, Riley, I hope that we can still be friends after uh, Evie is voted out next week. Evie. Evie. I keep calling her Erica for some reason. Yeah, Evie. uh, I keep calling her Evie, but it's Evie because it has two Vs. So uh, we'll strike uh, Evie from the record and say that it is Evie. 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 Yeah, Mike can okay. edit in anytime you say Evie will just have like a really obvious Evie just right on yeah, the top of it. By somebody yeah. else, not by me. Bill Simmons will have to do the <laughs> yeah, Evie. Evie voiceover for me. Yeah. Uh, okay. Any Anything else, Riley? Did we miss anything? Do we need to get at anything else or uh, is that a wrap? No, man. I think that's a wrap. All right. Uh, Craig, thank you so much for being here. Uh, where can we get all of your hot takes on everything, Craig? Um. Uh, you can listen to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. We post a million episodes every week. You can follow us on Spotify. And I produce the Rewatchables. You can sometimes hear me on that. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Okay. Riley, is there anything notable that we should be uh, following in your life uh, anywhere? Just you stay tuned to my Twitter for the day 39 photo of this beard. Yeah, definitely. And uh, if you do have insight on this episode that we can share or play next week, Don't be afraid to DM me on Twitter with a uh, voice memo. That is the best. It worked out well this time. And uh, until next week, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. We did it.